This episode of the Disney Film Project is sponsored by TouringPlans.com. Head over to TouringPlans.com and use their tools to save yourself time and money when you are at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. You can use the Lines application on your mobile phone, use the Crowd Calendar to figure out which parks to hit which days, or use the Touring Plans to save time and money waiting in line. TouringPlans.com is the sponsor of this episode of the Disney Film Project. Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project Podcast. This is a program where we discuss the films of the Walt Disney Company, from Blu-ray to DVD to theaters, and perhaps even film strips. You never know with us. We're crazy. We're wacky. We might do it. I'm your host, Ryan Kilpatrick. I am owner, proprietor, and blogger over at DisneyFilmProject.com where you can go and see us talking about all the various Ascentry Disney films. You can read about tweet watches or uh, meetups or movie reviews, all kinds of great stuff over at DisneyFilmProject.com. But I can't do this alone because, well, that would be boring. We need real knowledge. We need real expertise. And that is why we have Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is a blogger over at TouringPlants.com. He's also a chief technical officer at DisneyDrivenLife.com. And he's one swell guy who's wearing a nice Pirates of the Caribbean t-shirt this evening. How are you, Todd? Good. Don't forget, I'm also now web designer at onthegoatmco.com. Do you ever say no to a job? This is my question to you. Depends on the purpose. Person, I mean. You have to, uh, (laughs) well, a purpose or person, I guess, but you know. There you go. You you are the hardest working man in show business. I have to start getting paid for some things, though, you know, like that. Yeah, eventually. Eventually, Eventually. someday. Yeah. We we also need someone to to make Todd and I um, stick to our points and uh, do do things properly. And that person is one Cheryl Perlmutter. She has years of experience doing so with Todd, and she's getting trained well to do so with me. As she is uh, the producer of the program, edits the show. You can read about that when you follow her on Twitter at Cheryl P three, or go over to her blog about dot me slash Cheryl P three. How are you this evening, Cheryl? I'm currently dry, although I was not early. <laughs> I took a ride at Cali River Rapids today. It was it was a great great thing to do in the old days. Go walk, go drive over, take a ride at Cali River Rapids. That's that's the kind of thing you can do when you are when you are local to Walt Disney World, right? Yep. Lucky you. Normally, our, our magnificent trio is joined and made into a quartet by the lovely and talented Miss Brianna Alessio, who you can read over at Adventures of Brie at adventuresofbrie.blogspot.com, or you can check her out over at disneydrivenlife.com. She is a hardworking woman. Uh, she is trying hard to join us for some future shows as she is uh, working to make some money so she can move down to Orlando and be able to go ride Collie River Rapids in the middle of the day, just like Cheryl did. Uh, so she will not be joining us this evening. So you're stuck with the fantastic trio. Uh, the Fantastic Four will return soon. But since we are discussing Disney films, we, we decided to go to some of the latest Blu-ray releases and, and see what's, what's on the agenda. And just recently, we had The Princess Diaries and The Princess Diaries 2 released okay. on Blu-ray. Uh, so we've already discussed The Princess Diaries. But seeing as how it was just recently, uh, what was it, National Princess Week or International Princess National Week? National Princess Week. 
National Princess Week, we decided to discuss The Princess Diaries 2 in tonight's program, starring wait. Anne Hathaway, Julie Andrews, etc. Wait, 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 wait. I have a question. Yes, We live sir. in the United States, right? Yes, we do. Have we ever had a princess? Um, my daughter's a princess. Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean a royal princess. Oh, uh, probably not, no. So why do we have a national princess week? <laughs> because Disney has good lobbyists. Okay. I, I can accept <laughs> that, <laughs> strangely. <laughs> that actually makes more sense than any other explanation that I could I, come up with. I, I also want to point out to everybody that it was episode 31 of uh, the pro- podcast where we did the Princess Diaries. In case anyone wants to go back and listen, stop now, pause, go back, listen to that, and then come back here and listen. Yes, go back and listen to that show because you'll, you'll, there's many similarities between The Princess Diaries and Princess Diaries 2. Uh, mostly the cast. As I mentioned, Anne Hathaway comes back as Mia. Julie Andrews comes back as her grandmother. Hector Elizondo is back. Uh, Heather Matarazzo is back as Lily. Gary Marshall, the director, is back. Although I don't think he produced this one entirely in San Francisco, so he didn't have to leave his house. <laughs> like, like he did with the first film. I, th- I think he might have actually gone on location this time. But he brought his whole family with him. Of course he did. Because his grandkids are all there again. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. If you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to the old show. But basically, Gary Marshall did the entire uh, first movie in locations that were within driving distance of his house. All right, so the the setup with Princess Diaries 2 is, frankly, um, not as good as Princess Diaries, I would say. That's my personal opinion. I don't know if Todd shares that, but or or Cheryl, what you I guys think? Don't, I definitely don't share that. Okay. I, it's a it's a good story, but it's not nearly as good, and it doesn't flow nearly as well. It's it, it's cliche to me, I guess. That's that's where I'm coming from. Not that the first one's not right. That you know you find out that you're a princess, and that and wonderful things happen. But this, this, the whole idea with this is Mia has graduated from college and is coming home to Genovia uh, to take over as queen, as was sort of teed up in the first film. Right. But she has to marry in order to take the throne, and she has only a certain amount of time, 30 days, to do so. Yes, they give her 30 days. Now, it's important to note that this takes place five years later. She's actually graduated from Princeton, right? Yes, the Woodrow Wilson School at Princeton. Yes. Yes. Uh, I I did want to know the plot hole I found. And I'll say this early because that way I can just just go through the plot hole I found. Is that if Nicholas was really an heir, why didn't he find him? Why didn't they find him the first movie? Because that was that was that was my only plot hole. Because at the first, for those of you that didn't follow the plot of the first movie, is that this other this other country is going to come take over Genovia if they can't find a princess. Not another country. The just the two the the Baron and Baroness or whatever they are. Well, yes, but apparently yeah. I think they're from another country. Not they're not of Genovia. I got the impression. Oh, okay. I I didn't have that impression at all. Okay, well, whatever. This other couple is going to take over, but. But because they they searched and they scoured, they couldn't find anyone but Mia. But yet 
wait, here is this guy who just, just like rolled off this turnip truck and is like, <laughs> he's eligible for the crown. It's like, wait a minute. He he didn't roll off the turnip truck. He rolled off the Starship Enterprise. Because the, the Nicholas, who Cheryl's referring to, is played by Chris Pine. Yes. Who you might know as Captain Kirk from the latest Star Trek reboot. Uh, but the idea is Nicholas shows up with his uncle, John Reese davies in his evil mode. He has good mode and evil mode when he's in movies. <laughs> uh, and John Reese davies better known as Sala from the Indiana Jones films or uh, the voice in many Disney films. He shows up and says that Nicholas is another heir to the throne. And that is why Mia has to get married within 30 days is because if not, then Nicholas will be crowned king because the rule of of genovia is that the queen cannot be unmarried she has to uh, assume the throne as a married woman this is a tough one to discuss just because frankly it's pretty predictable not that it's not good i I actually like it it's just it's hard to talk about because it's like guess what she has to get married guess what she doesn't she changes the rule okay If you didn't see that coming in the first five minutes of the movie, then, or you know, as soon as they set that that plot line up. So my argument to this is that I didn't predict that part was going to happen. I predicted that 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 I thought they were going to end up married. I didn't think of that he was going to step down the way he did. And you thought you thought Nicholas and Mia would end up together. And not well. Not, they end up together in the end, but I thought that he wouldn't have to together sooner. Oh, they, they would have been that they would have come together and they would have gotten married. Yes. So yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I mean, I, for me though, it was like it, once they set up the whole dynamic of her having to get married, you knew that. So jumping forward a little bit, they set up an arranged marriage. Mia agrees to have an arranged marriage just to you know to save the country in her in her and her grandmother's mind. You knew she wasn't going to marry that guy. So she was either going to marry Nicholas or she was going to get the rule changed. One of the two. Because she sure wasn't marrying the 12-year-old that was in the scene. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Although I'm... Um, so, Todd, Mr. Math. Mr. Math. How old would have... I know Prince... They obviously disregarded Prince William because he was heir to his own throne. Um, yes. How old would Prince Harry have been? Would he have been mar- marrying age? I, what is there four years difference there? I think something like that. I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. It, it wouldn't. I, I'm not the royal, the royal family guy. Uh, uh, again, he's still in line for another throne. So no, I don't Prince know. Harry wouldn't have been because Prince William oh. is in line. Yeah, well, but he he becomes a prince regent when his brother steps in, right? Isn't that what happens? Okay, so I guess we don't know anything about the monarchy. Don't care. <laughs> um, it, I think well, that's what we're saying here. Yes, but but I I I do wonder that fact is why didn't why wasn't Prince Harry mentioned? Maybe he was too young, possibly, or maybe like Todd said, maybe he wasn't eligible. Although the show said shown him and said, oh, he's not eligible either. Yeah, because they do when they're looking for the eligible bachelors that they can that Mia could possibly have an arranged marriage with. They do mention Prince William, and of course, everyone's very excited about it, except for the fact that he can't do it. Because but they but they point that out. They just wanted to see his picture, yeah. right? So, um, <laughs> yes, pretty much. I, I mean, it, Cheryl. So your point is, why didn't they have Nicholas on that list? 
Prince Harry. Oh, Prince Harry. I don't know. Because, yeah. But actually, I guess I just made a good point. Why, did, why wasn't Nicholas himself on that list? I mean, technically, he would be in the list of eligible bachelors that could marry her, right? Well, because he's a creep. That's why. Oh, so they took him out the list to begin with. I gotcha. Right. Well, if they, if uh, that's what I'm thinking. If they, yes. can, if they can put William in because they like his picture, they can take Nicholas out because they don't like him. Yes, yeah. definitely. By, definitely. By the way, the, the two people from the first movie who are in line are the Von Truckens, right? And they're uh, and yeah. So Cheryl made a really good point to last night. We're watching it, like which is what she was saying before is that the Ventrokins were going to get the get the throne if Mia didn't in the first movie. And now there's this guy that's stuck between Mia and the Ventrokins, and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't. I, I wondered that same thing when I'm watching this. I'm like, huh, that's weird. Where was Nicholas? You know, three years ago or five years ago in. Five years ago in movie time, three years ago when the movie came out, because this was released three years after the first movie. But we know that we know that Mia thinks Nicholas is a creep because the the first part of the of the uh, movie before we find out about the fact that she has to get married, they throw a birthday party for Mia, her twenty first birthday party, which is signifies that she's of, of age to assume the throne, and she dances with Nicholas at the party. She just doesn't know that it's him, and she's rather smitten with him because he's Captain Kirk. Yeah. Well, it, did you find it a little odd? Like, he, he said his name was Nicholas to her at the party, right? Yes. But the, but she didn't make the connection until she actually saw him, even though they said that the name of the guy was that was going to be, you know, that was in line was Nicholas. So I, I wondered that, too, and I, I want to go back and watch it because I think because when they say the name of the guy, she's spying on Parliament. Right. Right. Through, through the air vent. And I wonder if, because there's a section where she kind of backs away from the vent because she makes a noise. So she and I wonder if it's during, it. Right. I wonder if she didn't hear it. Uh, I have to go back uh, and look at it. I didn't think about that. Did, uh, did you understand the reason why in the beginning? Did you notice that what they were doing was they weren't really showing her to you until after she gets lands? Like the whole no, I did not understand why they did that. <laughs> but but you caught that they did that, right? There's like there's like a yes. good five or six minutes of the movie where all you're seeing is the back of her head or from her shoulders down. Yes. I'm I'm assuming that was a reshoot and they just didn't have her. I don't know. <laughs> oh, you know what? I didn't even think about that, but you might be right. Huh. I didn't even think about Anne, that. Anne Hathaway was, was a much higher profile actress at this point. Than she yes. was when uh, when the first movie came out. Obviously, Th- those three years were good to her. Yes, they were, and and the eight years since have been very good to her. So, Mia spies on Parliament. They find out that she has to get married within thirty days, and the setup becomes uh, Queen Clarice, Julie Andrews, Dame Julie Andrews, I might add, uh, invites Lord Devereux to stay at the palace. That being John Rhys Davies in his evil mode, uh, or excuse me, that's Nicholas and Viscount right. Mabry who is John Reese davies in his evil mode. Yes. Both of them to come and stay at the palace so that they can keep an eye on him. And this is where Mia discovers that it was Nicholas that is, is the potential heir to the throne, and she stomps hard on his foot, uh, which, which prompts Dame Julie Andrews or Queen Clarice to, to say that as the queen, she disapproves, but as a grandmother, she was very happy with her actions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did like that conversation, too. So... Here's the thing, right? It's because I know we, we really haven't like moved past this whole beginning section yet, and people are probably going, "Why do you guys keep dragging on?" But hear me out. Um, 
the so did they actually know that she had to marry somebody to become queen before she figured it out? And the, the re, here's the reason why I asked this: at her twenty first birthday party, she's being made to dance with all the bachelors. But at, it, but that's I think she says in the narration like that's the tradition for the twenty first birthday party or something like that. She says it in the narration when she's talking when she's doing because it's the same setup. The Princess Diaries, obviously, she's writing in her diary is where the narration comes from, and she says something about the fact that it's Genovian tradition that you have to dance with your with all eligible bachelors in the kingdom or something like that. I have an idea. Um, I thought because based upon the discussion with the Queen in Parliament, I thought the Queen had worked out an agreement, possibly behind the scenes. That we didn't see, where she agreed with Parliament. Me, okay, we're not, you know, she, so we're not going to force her into marriage. And then, and then they, then you know, Lord maybe, you know, Lord, Lord Maybury, I think. Maybury. Yes, Lord Maybury, um, conv- convinces them to change their minds. Hmm. And, and it would have been much more convincing had Paul Williams sung Rainbow Connection. I think. I think everything's more convincing when Paul Williams sings Rainbow Connection, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> so this, this is when they go, they go through all the husbands. They choose the Duke of Kenilworth, Andrew Jacobi, and the, the marriage is arranged. Mia accepts the fact that she's going to have to marry you know, to be queen. She doesn't want to get married for reasons other than love, but she decides to go ahead and becomes engaged to Andrew Jacobi. And you said, why are we dwelling on the beginning of the movie, Todd? Well, for me, the reason is because the rest of the movie is basically little vignettes of Mia embarrassing herself and wondering why she's doing what she's doing. Pretty yeah, much no. all the way through the end. Except, <laughs> except for the Mary Poppins references. Wait, th- there's also the Mary Pop- Poppins references. They are throughout this movie, yes. Yes. <laughs> they are. So um, nothing wrong with that. No, no, there's really not. But it's still, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's all the buildup is to this point. I agree. And then, like, it's you're right. It's just kind of like, why did we spend a lot of time not just getting to the marriage? You know, not just having it happen. Right. I I tend to well, agree it, with that. It's all these different. Basically, it's all these different ceremonies or parties or events where Mia is supposed to be on display, basically. Right. So the, the, the first one, one of them is a, uh, she's supposed to ride side saddle and inspect the, the, the guard. And she can't ride side saddle. So she has a wooden leg decoy, and then Mabry gets involved and throws a rubber snake out, and yeah. that spooks the horse. Her fake leg falls off, and it's, you know, it's all, it's hilarity but, ensues. But that doesn't even happen until they, until after... Uh, they get engaged. They spend right. all this time. They spend all this time covering their dates, which I thought were funny because, to me, they're like I call them Nixon dates. Like you know why Nixon lost the election because yes. he did the walk on the beach, right? And that's right. what's that's what's going on here is he um, they're they're doing this walk on the beach, but they've got this entourage with them, with them which is the Queen, their guards, uh, Jacoby's par- Andrew's parents, right, and on and on and yeah. on. And did you catch that they have a from here to eternity fall on the beach? Yes, I did notice that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's blatantly it's obvious. wildly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just wrong. 
and uh, it, and then like the badminton thing was was like like you're right though I didn't even think about this until you brought it up is like the the scenes that are okay they tell a story but they're not like contiguous there's no continuity exactly. between them right exactly it's just it's just literally like here's a ceremony where Mia has to be out on display Mia embarrasses herself gets involved in some way with Nicholas which teases out the you know the romance between the two because meanwhile Viscount Mabry has said to Nicholas, the way that you're going to fix this and, and keep her from assuming the throne is you go and, you know, make her think that she's in love with you. And then she won't want to marry the Duke of Kenilworth because she'll be in love with you. So he shows up at each of these moments to try and, you know, insinuate himself in the situation, sometimes successfully, sometimes unsuccessfully. And some of these moments could have been prevented. Like, let's let's I'm going to use a horse. I mean, why? Why in the heck did that? Did Joseph or not have the security around this guy that was taking care of this horse, and let the guy spook it with the with the with the rubber stake? I was well, like, he was the horse's handler, so that's... yeah. But but wouldn't you? Okay, wouldn't you have had if you have this guy? They knew he was on. She invited him to stay. Julie Andrews invited him to stay so she could keep an eye on him. Because she didn't want to have to keep an eye on him from afar. She wanted to keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. Yeah. And so why didn't she, if if they thought, hey, why didn't they have like a guard on the handler for the horse? Because they probably didn't think they needed it. I'm just saying. I, I, it would have it it prevented it in my eyes. Well, they really only I, had like three guys, but <laughs> I have to agree. I have to agree with Cheryl that they did not do a very good job of keeping an eye on the two of them and keeping them from making mischief. Yes, this is true. Well, Nicholas really wasn't doing mischief. I mean, he was actually living in the house and making it seem like he was there, right? I mean, Mabry was a schemer. Mabry was a schemer, but why? Why? Why was? Where was security doing their job? Too busy training Lionel, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I, they they did not they did not keep close tabs on Viscount Mabry or or Nicholas. Let's put it that way. No, no. Which was ostensibly the idea of them living at the palace. I, I it, you're right. I just figure like he knew. I mean, the thing is, right afterwards. I mean, I, we're jumping ahead a little bit, by the way. At this point, that's uh, what we do. I know. Um, what he confronts Mabry at the end. I mean, he doesn't even. He knows that the snake. The rubber, where the the rubber snake came from, he gives it back to Mabry and you know sticks it in his face kind of thing. So, yeah, that's true. But so we have we have the horse incident, we have the garden party incident where so so the the whole thing is Mia is attracted to Nicholas, Nicholas is attracted to Mia, but they they're moral enemies, so they can't admit it. And we have the garden party incident where Nicholas walks up with his date, Mia walks up with Andrew. They end up Mia and Nicholas walking off together because Andrew and the date realize that they're not especially wanted, which I thought was uh, odd as well. Like if I'm Andrew, especially the way he's acted prior to that situation, yeah, I would not have just walked away and left her with Nicholas. Well, that it was odd. it was odd at this point, right? But later on in the movie, it's less odd, right? It's kind of sort of how I felt because I mean, okay, yeah, at this point, yeah, we're jumping. I know what you're 
at this point we're jumping the whole movie, but there's two things that occur later on. One is that they have this they have this heartfelt conversation where she's been found with Nicholas and he's upset by it, but he agrees to, that he'll still marry her because it's the best thing for the for the country, right? So they'll do yeah. their duty they'll do their duty and get married and he fits her and she buys into it and that's that's what they agree to. And then but during that conversation, they have a kiss, and he's like, she's like, nothing, and he's like, nothing, and he's like, oh, good, I thought it was just me and the whole thing. And then later on, they get married. I mean, there's a marriage ceremony, and they're about to get married, and she breaks it off. I, okay, jumping to the end, but this is important for what we're discussing. And he's like, oh, thank God, because he, was, he right. didn't really want to get married. And then later on, you see him with the other girl again. Yeah. Yes. So it, 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 you're right. It, it plays they do out. Bring it home, but the the problem I have is that Andrew's character is not at all consistent, right? Because at this point he's say la vie, whatever. He lets her go off. He, you know, he's they're obviously not in love, even from the very beginning, right? He, she and she and Andrew are not in love, and that's why there's no he has no characterization. So he's and that's intentional because you're not supposed to be attached to him. You're supposed right. to but but the, but the thing is, then after the incident you're talking about, where she's, you know, where Viscount Mabry has somebody videotape her and Nicholas spending the night together, not spending the night together, but just laying on, you know, on a blanket out out on the lawn. Uh, he videotapes that and leaks it to the news. Then Andrew is upset about it. Now, yes, I could see the point that he may not be as upset as you would expect a, a, a fiance to be. He's still upset about it. You know what I mean? Like, if his character were consistent, he would just be like, this is what you want. Why don't you just go for it? You know, that kind of a thing. Okay. I don't know. I I felt like he was, I felt like it was, I don't really, I'm not really in love with you, but I'm mad that you're with some other guy. Well, it was about appearances though, right? I mean, he the only thing I got from him, right, is he was very much about appearances, right? He was always prim and proper looking no matter what he was wearing, right? He never looked schleppy, okay, or, or anything. I mean he looked, he looked very picture perfect all the time, right, despite the slight awkwardness that you get off of him as a read. Um, yeah. and look, but the, like I said, the only reason is they don't develop him as a character because it doesn't – because he's not – he's supposed to be there as the thing that's pushing – Nicholas and Mia together, not as the thing that's take making them stay apart. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, I get what you're saying. And this is not a criticism, by the way, of the actor. Callum Blue, the actor, does actually, I think, does a pretty good job with not much to work with. Yeah, no, no. They just don't give him a character. Yeah. So what do you do with that? You just you just stand there and you look pretty. And I feel bad for him because you're right. He is a better actor than that. Yeah. So we have we have the, the we talked about the, the the garden party where Mia and Nicholas kiss when they go off here, right? And they end up arguing and falling into a fountain, which again Mia's on display and Mia embarrasses herself. So, and it's because she kissed Nicholas. Yes. The next thing is there's an an Independence Day parade where again Mia is on display because it's her and Clarice in in the in the uh, horse drawn carriage, and this time, she doesn't disgrace herself. She actually picks up a bunch of orphans and has them walk with her through the parade because she sees a bunch of boys picking on a little girl. She goes and sort of 
lifts that girl out and lifts all the orphans out and they walk the parade route with her. And that's kind of her big moment. It's sort of her big transformation in the movie. Yeah. Well, and, supposed to be. And they mark, <laughs> they mark it, right? Because they play Kelly Clarkson's breakaway at that point, right? Yes. And so Subtlety they, is the key. <laughs> that is a good point. Okay, so let's discuss that. There is nothing hidden about this movie. The, there, is no, there are no lines to read between. New. No. No, none at all. <laughs> okay. I mean, everything, like you were saying, the plot is obvious. The, um, the characters are everything you expect them to be, and they do it sometimes in Mia's case over and over and over again. Yes. Okay. And this is – but except this one scene is a standout. To be fair, right, it's actually a really good scene. It's probably the best scene in the whole movie. Not the most entertaining scene in the whole movie, but probably the best scene, the best actual scene in the whole movie. But I, I, I agree that this is also, I mean, this is supposed to be a turning point for Mia. And that, and I do like the use of Breakaway in the, in the, in this as well. And I also think, but I also think that this shows, you know, we had this scene before where Mia has to see, like, her true colors. And, like, from the first movie, that was it was easier because it was high school kids and it was easy to do. So, but I liked it. So I like, but I liked the scene because it, it it was a way of showing us the true Mia without banging over our heads. Although they did, but they didn't. But they they kind of just you know gave us that glimpse and then she picked up and did it. And she, I think she won Nicholas over it too. I think she that's I think she impressed Nicholas a bunch of that. Yeah, well he actually seeks her out and tells her that, right? Yeah, he sure does. Because that was part of the argument is that because she wasn't of Genovia, she didn't understand Genovian citizens, but I think she, you know, it points that no she couldn't understand you know the Genovia citizens, so she just hasn't been given that chance. And she may even understand them better than anybody else was part of the point as well. Yeah. Well, and I think I think Cheryl's point about the scene is good because it, it it's I think it points to the the main reason why the film does work, which is Anne Hathaway and Julie Andrews. I think with lesser actresses, this movie is terrible. But the two of them bring such a such good acting and charm to the movie. That yes. it makes it, 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 it turns it turns a mediocre script into a, in a into a pretty good movie. I I agree. The follow on scene for this as well with the um with the mattress surfing. Yeah. Right. I, that's actually yeah. pretty entertaining as well, right? <laughs> uh, yes, because of those two. <laughs> because of the right, exactly because of those two. It's not just because I mean their interaction is wild. I mean thinking back. To Tron, right? Remember when we discussed Jeff Bridges and the uh, the Gar- son actor, Garrett right? Hedlund, right? Yeah, Garrett when, Hedlund. When they interact, the screen was just pure magic, right? And a lot of the other times during Tron was um, not as exciting. Exactly, it's the same thing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah it definitely. Well, and, and, and that was the the strong point of the first movie, right? Was the two of them and their interaction, which was in that in that part in that sense, was odd because it was Anne Hathaway's first movie. Mm. Here, it's, it's a little more expected, but they kind of ramp it up even a little bit. And I think the, the way that they play that relationship is, is fantastic. 
Um, but like you said, they, right after the, the parade, they have Mia has decided to give away one of the royal palaces and build it into a temporary children's center. So she's getting closer and closer to the people and what they want. But then part of her, you know, pre-wedding festivities is she has to have a bridal shower. She decides to have a slumber party with all the princesses around uh, Europe, including several, you know, young, young girls. And they, they do a scene where they surf mattresses down the stairs. And if you ever want to see Julie Andrews stand on a mattress and shoot down stairs, this is the movie to do it in. Yeah, because she really did. I'm not sure. Did you know that? I, I did not. Yes. So this, this scene, she actually did the stunt herself. You looked it up, Todd? I really did. Wow, that's sort of terrifying, considering her age. Considering her age, yeah. Um, there's um, a couple of other important things that go on in there. One, I, this is where one of the Mary Poppins references is, right? Because uh, Mia says to her, I thought you don't slide. She goes, I don't, but I do a lot of flying. Right? Yes. So, <laughs> so I like that. Um, after the mattress sliding, though, the, she sings um, a song called Your Crowning Glory. Right, yes. and this this with, was with Raven Simone. With Raven Simone, which is, first of all, two two important things about the scene. One, uh, Julie Andrews had had throat surgery a few years before this, and this was literally the first time she sang on screen in like four or five years. At that point in time, mm-hmm. she actually had no idea if she was ever going to be able to sing again. But apparently, she went, she sung this song, and she nailed it in one take. Is anyone surprised by this? She's magic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she really is. Um, and apparently, Raven Simone uh, was so excited to be able to. When they told her she was going to be singing with Julie Andrews, her whole like life was basically made, according to her in an interview. Is it was it was the defining moment of her career at that point? She felt because it was she was on stage, and it was her who was chosen to do this, not any of the other people who were around. I can believe that. Yeah, I, I actually I actually met her around this same time period actually. Oh really? When I, in my old job, I was doing I was booking concerts and we booked her for a concert, and she was about the most gracious person you'll ever meet. Very 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 excited for her uh, for the fame that she had achieved, but very humble about it as well. Just very gracious for what she had she had managed to do. So I can I can completely see that just based on you know the three or four hours that, that I saw her. Ah, cool. And you, do you know the girl who gets up on stage with them and does the dancing? Did you know that's Julie Andrews' actual granddaughter? So not only were Gary Marshall's grandkids there, so were Julie Andrews. <laughs> so it was a big family affair making the movie is what you're saying. Pretty much, yeah. Gotcha. Good to know. Right, so we have we have all that take place, and this is, and then it, that's the point at which we start heading towards the the climax of the film. It's kind of the end, end of the second act, if you will, or beginning of the end of the second act, because that's the moment we have uh, where Nicholas comes back to Mia and and asks her to come and see him uh, one more time, because he he basically tells her as she's practicing her archery that you know he's he's pretty much going to leave. He, you know, she's one, he's stepping aside, but he says, can I see you one more time before, before I leave? And she says, yes, we could possibly do that. But then, you know, Lionel and some of the other 
security folks interrupt. So she says, no, we can't, we can't do it because you know, there's too many people around. Right. But that night, he comes to her window, starts throwing pebbles, and asks her to climb down and, and come see her. And she does, and that's what leads to the incident we talked about earlier, which is she, she and Nicholas basically dance together out in the woods, fall asleep, and they, when they wake up, they're being videotaped. And Mia, of course, thinks that Nicholas set the whole thing up, which he did not, to be yeah. perfectly clear. Which he finds out later. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We we also get a sad moment in between there with uh with Joe and the Queen. Yeah, that's a that's a running plot throughout the movie is that you know Joe Hector Elizondo's character is ob- obviously from the end of the first movie is in love with Queen Clarice, and he early in the movie basically proposes to her saying you know once you're not queen anymore can we get married and she says no because she has to stay around to help Mia et cetera, et cetera. And I think the moment you're referring to Todd is when she basically gives him that answer and he no longer refers to her as Clarice. He refers to her as your majesty from that point forward in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. He and gets, it's, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> he gets her. I, I mean, it's kind of sad. I, Joe was the cat was the, the character in the first, in the first movie after um, Mia, I think. More so than Lily. I mean, Joe is just a very special character for me. He's in this movie, but he does not get nearly as much screen time as he did in the first movie. And I think it's no, disappointing because I love Hector Elizondo, so. <laughs> well, so does Gary Marshall. He puts him in all of his movies, right? Yes, he does. That's right. I, that is a fact that we put in the first episode. Is apparently Gary Marshall's favorite actor, also Hector Elizondo. Yeah. So. But so, so Mia, once this happens, we, again, we talked already about the fact that Andrew's upset, but he agrees to go ahead with the wedding. And so the wedding is going to take place. It's a big deal. Mia's mother comes over with her new husband and their newborn son. And we get, we get the fun interlude with Paolo returning from the first movie who turned Mia from the you know, curly-headed girl into Anne Hathaway, and now he tries to do similar thing. I thought that was completely superfluous. It didn't need to happen, no. But yeah. I, I thought it was I, that was a nice throwback to the first movie. You know what? It was a nice throwback. I liked I like throwbacks sometimes. You know what? I'm sorry, I'm a che- I'm a cheesy person. I like throwbacks. Yeah, it it was cute, and he's a good comedian. To be honest, I mean, it would not have been nearly as good if he wasn't a good comedian. <laughs> I mean, the the line when she goes, "I look like a moose," he goes, "Yeah, but you make all the boy mooses go." <laughs> and he was also. A- I don't know if we mentioned this in the in the computer war tennis shoes that he was actually in computer war tennis shoes. He was. Did we not mention that? I I I didn't know that. I don't recall that. He was the computer. (laughs) (laughs) Or was he the tennis shoes? That's what happened to them. (laughs) And now he just sits and journey into imagination with pigment. Just sits there. So, um, what of the guests to the wedding has also yeah. an Avengers? He basically created the Avengers. Yeah, he did. <laughs> you want to give it, Cheryl? You brought it up. It was Stan Lee. He comes in making this Three Stooges joke. 
Yes, and it's it's a very strange cameo for Stan Lee. I didn't really understand it. But I was going to ask, do we know why he was in this movie? I couldn't figure it out. I was like, all right. I was fine with it, though, to be honest. I mean, it's Stan Lee. He's really... He, he th- likes to be... I mean, he makes cameos. I mean, that's something, you know... He is well-known for cameos. He's, like, in every Marvel movie. But the other thing is, is, like, ever since I was a kid... And he used to narrate the superhero cartoons when I was a kid, like Spider-Man and his amazing friends, right? With, with Iceman and Firestar, right? He used to narrate that and the Incredible Hulk show that was on then too. And his voice is just magic to listen to. It really is. I mean, it's not, it's not just about the fact that he created the Avengers. That Stanley has just, like, got that voice. Maybe they knew ahead of time that he was not going to be in X-Men First Class, and they put him in this movie because they had the time machine. <laughs> that's my only explanation that's what I'm going with alright fair enough All right. so the wedding is taking place and we get the again this is where to me again it, it's cliche but it doesn't really matter because it's well done Nicholas rushes to the church to try and stop the wedding but Mia stops the wedding on her own she stops the wedding because she finds out from Joe that Nicholas was not responsible for, for the videotaping but um, he uses um, first his grandfather's old bicycle. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I like the old bicycle. Which I, which I think to... Todd and Ryan will be converting to a time machine in the near future. Absolutely. And then, then, he, then he trades that for a horse. Don't give up the parts to the time machine, Cheryl. Gosh. <laughs> it's okay. We can go back in time and edit that out go back in time. And it, the, by the way, the type of bicycle for people who want to know that's called a penny farthing, just because of the, you, you have the high wheel and the low wheel, that was the type of bicycle it was, in case anybody wants to know. Yeah. But Mia, Mia actually stops the wedding herself. She makes a speech in front of everyone about why she shouldn't have to get married, that you know her grandmother has ruled the country for this long without being married, and that you know, it's it's a backwards tradition, basically. And then she makes a motion, prompted by the prime minister. Uh, she makes a motion to get rid of the rule. Parliament votes to get rid of the rule, and and she is then free and clear to become a queen. Yeah, uh, it's important to know that uh, as made after me, it does her speech. It does the the and Parliament does their thing. Mabry speak tries to speak out, but Nicholas cuts him off. Yes. No, they locked Nicholas- him out. That happens. Oh, during no. the during yes. the election, you're right. During the election, that's right. They didn't do the they didn't do the vote until after he's locked out of the room. But before yes. that, he starts to do a whole a whole anti Mia campaign right there in the church. And Nicholas is like, "No, I don't want to be yeah. the guy. I don't want to do this. She should be the one." And yep. he had, and he has no power at that point. He's like having that freak out moment, and he's very very good at that as an actor. Yes, he is. <laughs> he's he's quite good at that. So you can't ru- so you can't ruin a good wedding. So Julie, so Hector Alessandro and Julie Andrews make use of the fact that hey, there's a church, there's people, let's get hitched. <laughs> In front of all the people. In front of all the people. I, yeah, it's a like you were saying, Ryan. There's a lot of uh, cliches in this. Is this is the cliche moment? As Cheryl gets across, is that you know you if you if you set up a wedding. Regardless of if the people are that stand up in front of you initially are the ones that get married or not, there will be people getting married. 
just how these movies go. Absolutely. Yeah, that's how it works. It's uh, so Joe, and, Joe and Clarice get married, and everybody lives happily ever after. I, I love the moment where the priest goes, finally. Yeah, well, actually not so happy, because then Mia has to go through her ceremony herself. Her ceremony herself? What do you mean? Her, her um, coronation ceremony. And, oh, that's... The, and, and then she has to shoot the arrow, which... And then, and then we have then another great throwback scene, which is I I grin again. I love I'm a sucker for these scenes. I'm sorry, You're I really it. am. <laughs> but then we have that great throwback scene where she's shooting the arrow by himself, and she goes looking for, you know, Nicholas, and she's like, oh wait, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> so um. <laughs> Oh, that's right, because she keeps almost hitting him whenever she's practicing, and then he, and then he, he's the one that actually teaches her how to shoot. Yeah, yeah, we yep. have that, and it's a great throwback scene to the early in the movie. Yeah. So the next morning is coronation day, and she wakes up and she's like, "Today I'm going to be queen," and she, you know, kind of freaks out. And she's sitting in that. Um, we actually discussed this as early in the movie. They had this scene in uh, where the uh, the queen is showing Mia how she has to meet with the people in order to get to know oh, them, yes. right? Yeah. And so they have this whole scene with the, with the chasing the chicken. <laughs> yes. And, and so they're back in that same room, and it's just her because she's just kind of sitting there vegging before the whole thing goes down, and Nicholas shows up. And so they have a very nice conversation because I, he, they're very funny together, right? I, I think – I don't know if they were a great – Cup, a great on-screen couple per se, okay, but their interaction is pretty is interesting because their 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 verbal jarring is very is very not fun to listen to, and this is a really yeah. good example of it because he's like he confesses his his love to her and she goes, "Do you have a chicken for me?" Because they're in the room where they get given like things like chickens right. and watermelons for their for talking to the queen, and she's going to be the queen. So I kind of I kind of dug that. Yeah, they they are good together. He he, I think comes off really well. Initially, the first I, I can't remember if it's the the horse scene or or somewhere around there. The first interaction he has with her, I thought he came off a little too jerk like, if that's even a word. Oh. Uh, but but he softens e- even in the scenes where they're sparring, like he softens a little bit in his, in his performance, and I think it comes off really nicely um, yeah. going forward from there. Yeah, it's important to note this was his first uh, full-length movie, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, which is kind of interesting considering that the first one was hers and this one is his. So, yes, and we get Captain Kirk and Catwoman in uh, love. This the next scene is the actual coronation, which I thought was interesting for coronation scene. I mean, it wasn't like it. It reminded me of first of all, it's like shot on the Beverly Hills Billy staircase, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's literally the same set. I'm not mistaken, right? No, no. <laughs> it's the same. And uh, so, so that's what the coordination does. And the, queen, and the Queen Julie Andrews comes down one staircase, and the Princess Mia comes down the other staircase. Mia is escorted to the throne. The crown is taken off of the queen and placed on Mia, and then she's the new queen because that's how coronations go. Yep. And I have another Star Wars reference. I Wait, there is a, a Star Wars reference. I couldn't find one, so go for it. 
um, Anne Hathaway was in a movie um, with the Family Guy ca- called um, Family Guy Presents It's a Trap. And get hey. in, that's what it's about. There you go. <laughs> uh, interesting. Um, I want to point out that, Carol. that ne- next thing we do is we get the Geno- what I call the Genovian Parasong, which is the national anthem of Genovia. <laughs> yes, because they are famous for their pears, as we learned in the first movie. That's right. And it, it's, so throughout the movie, do you notice that – remember in the movie at the party – in the first movie, they at the party, they make the joke about the pear jugglers? He's in the movie. He's at the parade. The, he's all yeah. over the place in this movie. He's not just at the parade. He's in a ton of scenes in this movie. If you look in the background, the, the, you know, but there's the whole inattentive blindness thing, which is now my favorite phrase, by the way. But I anyway <laughs> – <laughs> you have to it, watch Fairly Legal to understand that. And, yes. And please be appropriate age if you're watching that show. There we go. <laughs> and, uh, and and then basically there's a few scenes before the movie actually ends of basically what I call just reform going on in Genovia. I think that's a good way to put it, right? Is, right, right. Is you see that there's now female parliament members. You see the orphanage that she was making that was supposed to be temporary becomes a full orphanage basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then the movie basically ends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's again, it's predictable, right? It's exactly what you think would happen from the get go. With like like Cheryl and I talked about the you know, is it is she going to marry Chris Pine or is she not going to marry him or is she just going to you know move off of of that and and get the rule abolished? But it's exactly what you think would happen. It's a happy ending. It's she's the queen. It, you know, she makes all the changes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't make it bad, right? It, it, to me, at least, is worse than the first movie because there's not as much uh, conflict to it. Even though there is a conflict, the conflict is, are, are it, it's almost like they go too deep into making Mia a klutz in this one after they work so hard to make her not one in the first one. Because like I said, there's like three straight scenes where she just embarrasses herself for no apparent reason right there is that and uh i kind of sort of remember we we're talking about andrew before i kind of sort of felt bad for him at certain points of the movie because and he even says it himself right is is the queen julie andrews she says to him that you'll never have a dull moment and he's like he's like oh yeah thank you <laughs> right exactly <laughs> Yeah, so it, I just wanted to mention, I mean, we already talked about Crown and Glory, which is on the album, and Breakaway from, by Kelly Clarkson also on the album. There's, this entire album is basically that uh, era of Disney pop stars when they when at the turn of the century from the 20th to the 21st century where you have – so Kelly Clarkson's on the album, Lindsay Lohan's on the album, Raven Simone, who's in the movie, is on the album, Avril Lavigne, Jesse McCarthy, etc. Those – that – class of uh, pop stars they're all that's the entire album so if you really like that kind of music you might want to actually look at this album and i like that music too folks i didn't didn't mean that to say that i don't like that music (laughs) i kind of like dig the album looking at it so it's there's just a couple more things too just to go over them first of all it was it, the movie was not well liked on rotten tomatoes i think that's that it was not like and that's Uh, that yeah (laughs) <laughs> audiences That's liked it. Well, audiences liked it much more than critics did. And note the Rotten Tomatoes rating is actually based on what the critics say, and then there's a secondary rating for what the audience says. 
but when everybody talks about the, right. the the rating for the movie, it's always the critics' rating, not the not the, So, but it is uh, it is what's called on Rotten Tomatoes certified rotten, which means that you know you could pretty much yeah. this is not a liked movie. Uh, I read. Uh, Roger Ebert's review of the movie, and he really laid into Gary Marshall for even making this movie. Really? Yeah, he was not. He was not happy with. He felt that Gary Marshall phoned it in, and because it's, and I tend to agree. I, Gary Marshall kept, makes better movies. I don't think anybody who is a fan of Gary Marshall doesn't realize that he makes better movies than this. Um, I. I I think Gary Marshall made better movies. But this movie did did make back its money and more. I mean it made back more yeah, than no, financially, yeah. Financially it was a huge success. Yeah. So it's it just it's just interesting. I just wanted to mention that because a lot of times you're talking about a great do- movie doing great or a bad movie doing badly in terms of money, right? And yet here you have one that was not well received but actually did okay because audience members went to see it because, like we were saying earlier, Anne Hathaway was a big star by this point, and, she, and it's got Julie Andrews as well. And so when you have the double draw, people go to the movie no matter what it is. All right. With the rate this thing? Yep. We should rate it. Okay. Right, oh, man. Todd, you go first. What do you think? I get, yeah, I get why to not? Go first. I, like, never get to go first. I, should, I know. Like, I, thought, I thought you might enjoy it. I should, I, like, if we, if we plotted out who got to go first, the most or the versus the least, I would be on the bottom of that barrel. Even Brianna, who's you know missed a few episodes at this point because it's because of work, she'd still be going first more than often I am. Just saying. <laughs> but uh, so, so I'm let, I'm letting you go first. Go. First, I know. Man. I was just I was just saying. I'm very excited. I'm 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 like pumped to go first. <laughs> um, so for it's me, uh, I. Like I said, I love the acting. I think that there's a lot missing from this movie. I think it suffers as a result. Um, it's not terrible. It's not as bad as I think the Rotten Tomatoes rating makes it out to be. I don't think it's as good as the audience rating makes it to be either. I think it's the truth is somewhere between those two points. Um, for me, it is uh, just a solid two stars. I really like the first Princess Diaries movie much more. It is far superior to this movie by comparison. I would love – I would rather watch – like if they're both on the shelf, which they are on my shelf, I would always pick the one on the left because that's where the first one would be versus the one on the right. I agree. I agree. All right, Cheryl, this what is, do you think? This is a five for me. I'm a, I'm a sucker. I'm, I'm – I am a princess Disney sucker. I love this movie. I I love the throwbacks. As I mentioned, I think it does. I mean, I agree there are a couple plot holes. I'll I'll test that myself. But I still think this is a really great movie, and I would actually um actually pick this first because I like that you know I like seeing the grown up Mia versus the high school Mia. Um, personally, I mean, I, I really think, I, I really, you know, if I had to pick a B, I like this one better. Interesting. I like the one that's, that's, you know, been through college, still makes a little bit of mistakes, fumbles on her way, but it's ready to become queen and ready to take her, her place and change the country. Cool. 
All right. So for me, uh, I would I would be in line with Todd. Although I'd probably go a little higher. I'd give it a three just just because of the fact that it has Julie Andrews and, and Hathaway in it, and I think they're both fabulous actresses. I would say script-wise, it's probably a two or, or lower, but the, their performances actually raise the bar for me. So I, I would give it a three. Uh, it's definitely a solid, fun movie, uh, one you can just uh, sit down and watch and enjoy without having to, to think too hard about it. You're, you're going to know what happens, but the, the comedy and the fun is, is worth it. Um, I just want to add one more thing uh, is that Meg Cabot, who is the author of the books that both movies are based on, has, uh, since we did the last podcast, redone her site. And it's really nice now, and it's well-organized, and I'll make sure it's in the show notes for everybody. So until next week, you can keep in touch with us. You can let us know what you think of this show. Go over to DisneyFilmProject.com, and you can leave a comment on the show notes there. You can tweet us at DizFilmProject, or you can go over to Facebook and search for Disney Film Project and let us know what you think of the show there. You can keep in touch with all of us on our various and sundry blogging platforms. You can check out Todd and myself over at touringplans.com. Check out Bree's attractions blogs, my film blogs, and Todd's chief technical wizardry over at disneydrivenlife.com. And you can keep up with Cheryl's travails trying to keep this podcast together at about.me slash Cheryl P3. Goodbye, culinary people. Oh, how brave. Most interns don't even want to fetch me my tea. Anyone can see... Your true desire is no one knows what's in your heart. Mm-hmm.